Perfect. We're ready. We're ready. Here we go. Perfect. Normally gives me a cue. Mm. <laughs> In the corner, but I don't see it yet. Got it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back, as always, to We Wish You Wealth. As stated multiple times, you have the usual subjects, myself, Danny Summer, Miss Ruby Ramos. I love your talk today, by the way. <laughs> Very pretty. <laughs> Mr. Gordon Chavez. And returning back with us for the second Thursday of this month, we have Mr. Shane Sledder. Um, mortgage advisor, 22 years based out of San Diego with RMW Home Loans. How are you today, Shane? Thank you for joining I'm, us again. Thank you. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. We're definitely glad to have you back. You gave us so much information last time, um, you know, and my brain is still, still twisting all of the knowledge that was received. Um, my parents were definitely pleased with the information that they got considering, uh, you know, reverse mortgage, and they are at that age where they're seniors, and it could be beneficial to them. So we thank you very much for all of the questions that you answered, the information that you provided, and just the knowledge that you blessed us with, uh, you know, the last Thursday that you joined us. So we're definitely glad to have you back. Um, we appreciate you, your time that you are giving to us. And um, we're excited for today because, I mean, not only in the market, you know, the stock market, are there fluctuations going on right now, which is what we have to deal with as insurance agents with index allocations and all kinds of other things. Um, but there's definitely fluctuations in the housing market. Um, I know that we did speak last time on reverse mortgage. However, I think today we're going to take the approach of, you know, kind of predicting the forecast of what the housing market is doing, um, you know, rates, prices, inventories, uh, all of that stuff. Um, so, you know, just to get a better idea is now a good time to buy, you know, as a married couple, a single person, whatever your situation is, like, how could this either be beneficial to you? Um, or maybe perhaps not so beneficial to you based on what is happening. Um, so um, before we get started, um, I would like to, um, you know, if based on the fact that, you know, I'm back in Oceanside, which is where I'm from, <laughs> visiting family and friends. I'm normally in Hawaii these days, um, but here I am. It's beautiful outside, if you can't tell. <laughs> um, so we know that you're based out of San Diego. We do want, um, for anybody that's close to us, obviously, we're all in the same area in North County, um, for us to be able, you know, if somebody relates to you or has questions for you and can can reach out to you um what is going to be the best modes of contact for them before we get started to to you know reach out to you with any questions or concerns that may have yeah so um you know you always can look look me up on online uh you know my website is san diego mortgagenews.com uh you can go on there i've got a lot of information uh, hosted there. And uh, obviously, all my contact information will be there as well. Um, you can reach out to me directly. Uh, my number is 858-829-7186. And that's a direct line that you can either uh, call or text. And uh, my email address is my first name, Shane, with two N's, my last initial S, at rwmloans.com. Uh, so any of those ways are, are are great ways to reach out. I'm also on all the different social platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can find me there as well and, and message me that way. Awesome. Thank you so much for providing all of that information to us. So, I mean, if anybody has any questions, you know, if the reverse mortgage topic that we discuss is something that relates to you or if what we're discussing today relates to you, or if you just have any real estate questions in general, 
Um, by all means, Shane is going to be a definite valuable resource to you based on the fact that we already know that Mr. Gordon Chavez has worked with him. Um, he's trusted, respected, and he's literally wants to help you and in every way that he can. So, um, and that's what we, that's, that's just the main goal of what we're doing, right? Is providing education and, and helping people with things that, you know, the scary questions get answered by <laughs> people that, that, you know, you can depend and rely on, and you know, that they're always going to be there for you. Um, so we understand that you are licensed in the state of California. NMLS ID number is 239-958, and the DRE number is 01174642. So based on the fact, just in case that you guys were like, this guy, I'm not so sure. He's got credentials all around. <laughs> so he's legit, too legit to quit. <laughs> but um. Um, I guess transitioning to, into the conversation, like I said, we had so much information that we received about reverse mortgage. Um, and I know it helped my parents. I know it helped a lot of friends and family. Um, but what if, you know, there, like I said, there's a lot of fluctuations going on with not only the stock market, market, the housing market. Um, so we kind of want to, I mean, based on the fact, like I said, I'm single, I'm not married, I don't have children. Um, based on the fact that there are these fluctuations, we may potentially have some questions as to what it is that's happening. Like, what are you receiving information about? All of these kinds of things. Um, so we're going to just, you know, like we did before, do a little Q&A um, and see what we can figure out as to now, if, if now is a good time to buy or not, or, you know, invest in real estate or not. You seem like a a pretty well-educated and well-versed gentleman to be speaking on this topic about. So I'm definitely very excited. Um, and based on the fact that Ruby's got this really pretty pink fluff, fluffy shirt on, I want her to ask the first question because <laughs> I feel like uh, she's, she's got, she's got some good stuff for us today. She's got <laughs> questions coming your way. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. It's actually a dress. Oh, is it? That's really pretty. I'm very, thank yeah, you. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, um, Shane, for being here with us. We truly appreciate it. But I do have some um, good questions for you that I'm sure everybody is also asking themselves. Um, the question I, I have for you is, can you tell us what is happening in the current housing market with rates, prices, and inventory? Sure. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the, the housing market, the, the way that um, what's happening in, in the market is going to be more based off of where you are nationally, right? There's going to be certain areas that um, the markets are doing things different than, than other areas. I mean, the Midwest may be a different situation than we have here on the West Coast, right? Um, so from that perspective, you do have to look more on a, a micro uh, situation versus macro. But as a whole, even if we look at the national uh, setting for, for real estate right now, we are seeing um, home prices appreciate. And uh, I think the, the most recent forecast is that we should see a 5% appreciation rate at least um, nationally for uh, for 2024. Um, and, and then if you look locally, you know, here in California and San Diego, I mean, we've continued to have a very strong market. We had a, a slowdown at the very end of 2022, uh, and, you know, as rates were starting to tick up and then basically beginning February or so of 2023, we started to see home prices go back up again. And so now we are at a, a position where, um, you know, if you own a home, you're seeing that appreciation continue to grow. If you bought a home recently, you're still seeing appreciation grow. Um, so prices are still going up. I don't see anything that's going to have or show prices coming down. We actually uh, recently, um, you know, with with the rates being higher, everyone thought that home prices would start to come down. And again, we saw that for about a three month period of time, 
in uh, late 2022. And there are some housing markets that were a little maybe overheated that are still seeing a little bit more of a, a pullback. But here in San Diego, uh, we we haven't seen that. We've seen prices continue to to go up. And so even with the the higher higher interest rates, prices have gone up. So I, I think that that's going to stay consistent. Um, and you know, rates right now are in around the seven percent range for a, a 30 year fix. They had um, they've come down from the highs of where they were back in October. We were almost up to eight percent with rates. And so they have come down a little bit from that. Uh, we did get in down into the mid like six, six and or about six and a half percent recently. And then they have ticked up here just in the last month or so. But um, when we look at what the forecasts are, we, you know, we can see that, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's the, whether it's Fannie Mae or the May, uh, Mortgage Bankers Association, or even the National Association of Realtors, they all see rates continuing to come down through this year and into next year. Uh, we see, um, you know, the forecast for 2024 by the end of the year, Fannie Mae is saying it should get down to around 6%. Um, the National Association of Realtors is saying six and a half. And then in 2025, we're down to around, you know, the mid fives potentially. So there is an opportunity that even if you get into buying a house now that you're going to be able to refinance and get a little lower rate later on. Um, and what's caused the rates to be elevated is just some of the inflation that's occurred over the last number of years. And so the Fed had to step in to uh, try to curb inflation and they had to raise the Fed funds rate, which was kind of the short term interest rates. But it does it doesn't have a direct correlation to mortgage rates because mortgage rates are more long term. But because of inflation being higher, that hurts long-term rates and therefore those rates had to had to go up so as inflation numbers are coming in and coming in a little bit lower we should start to see the interest rates continue to to um, come down to a lower point oh and then inventory we didn't talk about inventory so uh, again that is that is going to be based off of where you live um, I know in San Diego and, and a lot a lot of areas throughout California inventory is still very tight meaning that there's not a lot of houses on the market to be sold. Uh, and, and that's due to the fact that over the last number of years, we had you know, so many people that owned a home lock in an interest rate of two and a half to 3%. Mm-hmm. And so that's made it difficult for them to be motivated to go out and sell their house and move someplace else. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the people that are selling are selling because they they have to either they're moving out of state or um, their their jobs have changed and they've got to move, or maybe it's a death in the family or something like that. Uh, you're not getting a lot of people selling just to sell to buy that next home because then they'd lose out on their their lower interest rates. So you've got you've got people who maybe are older who normally would think of downsizing who are holding on to the house because they don't want to lose that that lower interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um now, in areas where there's more new homes being built, uh, a lot of parts of the country, there are a lot of new homes being built. And so that is helping with some inventory because a lot of new home builders uh, right now have homes that are available. But in San Diego County, we don't have a lot of new homes being built. And so it's it's hard to keep up with the demand. And so what that's doing is that is continuing to add that upward pressure on home values because there's not a lot of inventory available. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so okay. for my understanding, the rates, so the interest rate, does it, I, I wrote down a rate arrow up, price arrow down. <laughs> um, that, that would normally be the situation as rates go up. In many cases, you would have home values coming down okay. uh, historically. But that's not what we've seen here recently in many markets. And like I said, in a few exceptions, yes, that that's the case. There's still some areas like I know Austin, Texas has had values come down and and things like that. But um, in San Diego, especially, we are in a situation where uh, even though the rates went up to about eight percent, 
we still had home prices going up. And historically, that's not the case. But due to the low inventory and just the number of people who are wanting to buy and um, are in the market, that continued to cause house values to go up. That was going to be my next question is, you know, the, the people that are wanting to buy, does that affect the rate increase? Because we, you know, there's, we're, there's so, I mean, there are a lot of people here, but um, a lot of people want to come here too. So, you know, and I'm like, wow, do the, how is everything? I mean, I'm literally a couple blocks from the beach and every house is over a million dollars in this neighborhood, you know, I never, I feel like I'd never be able to afford something like that, especially as a single person. But, uh, um, I guess my next question based on that is what is the lowest interest rate historically that you've been in the industry that have you seen for the housing market? Yeah, so the lowest rates that we we've seen were back in 2022, uh, 2021, 2022, when um, you know we we're in the middle of the pandemic, and the Fed really stepped in and did a lot of things to manipulate the interest rate environment to cause rates to come down, so that people could refinance and get some more cash going into the market and save some money, and and they were doing that to try to just save the economy, right? And so. Um, rates did not come down to two and a half percent naturally <laughs> they were they were lowered that way they were forced down based off of what the fed was doing and i mean that historically seven percent is kind of the average interest rate when you go back and you look over the last 50 60 years seven percent right. is kind of where we are but what happened is people got very accustomed to that two and a half three percent interest rate um that you know, and, and really what happened is the Fed kept the rates down too long. And therefore, because they kept the rates down too long, that caused too much money to come into the market and therefore inflation to start to become rampant, right? And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they had to switch gears and they had to in increase interest rates to try to keep inflation down. And that's why we saw, you know, long-term 30-year fixed rates. Once the Fed was no longer manipulating and pumping money into the market, and, and really what they were doing, this might be getting a little technical, but um, interest rates are based off of mortgage bonds that are sold on the secondary market. And so the Fed was coming in and actually buying those mortgage bonds to keep rates low. And, and so once the market shifted to where they didn't want rates low anymore, they stopped buying the bonds. They actually started selling the bonds, which put more out on the market. And we saw we saw interest rates go up. And that that's where we were with the, you know, you know, almost close to 8%. Okay. Again, historically, that seven to 8% is, is kind of more where it is. But now that home values have gone up as much as they have, people who are used to two and a half, three 3%, it becomes a little bit more difficult to see what a payment's going to be at a 7% rate on a million dollar loan, right? Um, and, and so there are, it, it, it has affected people. There are people who you know, can't qualify now. Maybe they could have qualified a couple of years ago, but they're not able to qualify now with the higher rate and the fact that home prices have continued to to go up. Um, and so they, you know, they're in a position where uh, they've got to maybe look at other areas of the country that they might be able to afford a little bit better, um, or they're they're waiting to see if interest rates come down, or we have to get a little creative and maybe get uh, parents to come on and be co-borrowers with them or to gift funds to them to be able to use for down payment. Um, there, there are some creative things we can do. And I know a little bit later, we might talk about some, you know, first-time homebuyer programs that might help as well. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely plan on getting into that. But that's like a large fluctuation in just two years based on what the Fed had to do. So, I mean, I mean, the average seems normal you know, at that 7%, but to have it be at two and a half, like, <laughs> that's incredible. Like, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I'm like, well, I should have jumped in on that. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a pretty quick rise in interest rates. In fact, it was it was one of the fastest increases that we've ever had. And that's why the the housing market kind of came to a halt there for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, many, many real estate agents, many loan professionals got out of the business because there just wasn't enough there. Um, but, you know, it, it really, unfortunately it was needed because we needed to get inflation under control. 
And now we're back towards getting, you know, inflation under 3%. The Fed really wants us to be closer to about 2%, which we're not quite there yet. But um, I think once we can see that inflation is fully under control, that's why the forecasts are for the rates to go back down into the mid 5% range, which I think is going to be helpful. But what I would say is anyone who's looking to buy right now or is interested in buying, if you wait, I, I have a lot of people say, you know what, I'm, I'm waiting for two things. I'm waiting for either the home prices to come down or I'm waiting for interest rates to come down. Right, yeah. Well, the, the home prices haven't come down in about 10 years, right? So they've just continued to go up. And, they, and like we said, if they didn't go down when the rates were at 8%, we're probably not going to see them come down very much as rates come down more. The other thing is that as the rates get closer to five, you know, five, five and a half percent, what happens is that brings more potential buyers into the market. Now you've got people who couldn't qualify at the 7%, but now can qualify at the five and a half percent. And so now instead of a house having four or five offers on it, it might have 10 offers on it. And what's that going to do? That's going to continue to push the prices up. So it, it really makes sense if you can get in, if you're looking to buy and you can afford it now and you can make the payment work. You know, obviously we don't want to put people in situations where they're going in over their head and they're paying way more than they can. And then they end up going into foreclosure or, you know, having missing mortgage payments. But if you can qualify, even if the payment's a little bit more than what you want to pay, and maybe you have to stretch yourself a little bit, the goal is to get you in now before the prices continue to go up and then be able to refinance that property later on, hopefully at a lower interest rate, get you a little payment relief. Um, it's never a guarantee that we can refinance you, but you know, usually we, we can, we can make that work. Um, because the issue is, is if, if home prices are going up 5% a year and you're trying to put yourself in a position where you can save more money to put down. So you have that 20% or, or more to get that payment down, you're going to have a hard time outpacing the appreciation to save enough money to, yeah. to put that, that 20% down. Right. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So wait till the interest rates are low and the price, I mean, the prices are going to keep rising. So it's still either buy now or <laughs> don't. <laughs> or don't buy at all. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, one of the questions that always comes up is, is it a good time to buy? All right. That's kind of probably something that's always asked is, you know, is it a, is it a good time to buy real estate? My question would be, there's really never a bad time to buy real estate if you have the right goals in mind, right? If you're trying to buy real estate and flip it within a year or, you know, buy it for a short-term period of time, that's where more of the risk comes in. But if you buy it and you hold, um, I've got a graph in front of me that I'm looking at that shows um, from, from 1942 all the way through, uh, if you hold a property for 10 years, if you buy it and hold it for 10 years, there's only one year where you did not make a profit over that 10 year period of time. And that was in 2006, which is when we had the housing crash. H home prices were at the highest point at that point in time in 2006. And then we had the housing crash. And for the next you know, four or five years, we were kind of in a recovery mode where prices were going down through about 2011. So in that case, if you bought in 2006 and held it for 10 years, you lost about 3%. But in every other scenario, if you bought it in 2000 and you sold it 10 years, you made 47%. If you bought it in 2011 and you held it for 10 years, you made 67%. If you bought it in 2013 and you held it for 10 years, you made 105%. Right. So every other situation, if you keep it for that 10 year period of time, you're going to make money on on the real estate. Right. And I understand. I mean, you say is now a good time to buy. And we were kind of discussing this prior to going live. Um, Gordon had mentioned, I mean, all of us do all of our marketing on social media. So we see a bunch of stuff about investing and and you know assets and all of this stuff i think gordon had the first part of this question um that he was speaking with you about that may potentially go into 
this quite you know what you were just discussing um and then i have a question for you because i know gordon's married he's got kids all this stuff and then i'm single i have no kids um but everybody's like don't buy don't buy real estate it's the worst investment you could ever make um i know that that was a topic of discussion um obviously you're in the industry so based on you know how Gordon's life is completely different to mine. Maybe he could give a little more insight as to, you know, why now is a good time to buy for him and why now would be a good time to buy for me and what those differences like may potentially be for the both of us and how we can make real estate work for the both of us in the, in this, in this time that you say that's never a wrong time to buy. So we'll start with G. Um, if you can give a little, you know, something, because I, we, but like I said, both of our situations are different. But if we both have the opportunity to start investing in in other assets and expanding our portfolios, then you know, something may relate to you that may relate to me differently. So let's see what yeah. the, let's see what those differences are. <laughs> no, yeah, I I think you know Shane kind of touched on it already. It really has to do with your goals. You know, if right. buying a house, um can fall under maybe three categories i guess you could say one can be just, you're just buying your house for your family to for your for your uh to raise your family to raise your kids and things like that another one can be a rental property where you're buying it somebody else is going to live there and hopefully you you know you're able to make profits off of the off of the mortgage or off of the rent and still pay the mortgage or even break even um, and just the appreciation of the home over time, once you sell, like you won't make any money right away, but once you sell, then you're going to be selling it for more than what you bought it for. Um, and then, you know, the, the last one is house flipping. You know, if you're trying to buy a house, uh, do something to it, to improve the value and sell it within a year or two years, or even less than that, then there's profit there. But, you know, as far as my situation goes, you know, Shane talked about the only time that there was a loss was, you know, the when the values uh, went up, you know, in 2006 and then came down crashing in 2008. And it's funny that you said that because I bought my house in 2006 and it took us a while. We were we were what, what do they call it? Upside down or underwater where basically negative equity in our house for the few first few years. And even then it took a while just to catch up, get back to what we paid and then, you know, um, have some equity built up after that. But we weren't in it to flip the house. We weren't trying to rent the house. Um, it was really just to to create a home for our family, our, our kids. And luckily we've been here long enough now that we have some equity and we and we're we're able to do things with that equity and now i'm in i'm in a position where i'm trying to help my mom in the state of new york and that equity's that equity that we built here in this house is coming into play and really helping us and shane was able to help us with that as well and so it really depends on your goals just like anything else you do like when we help our clients with you know life insurance or retirement planning or whatever the case it's about the goals. It's not about the product. It's, you know, I mean, there's plenty of products. There's plenty right. of options. There's programs. I know Shane's going to talk about some of the programs in, in a minute. But, um, you know, for for example, one of, the, one of the things that we were talking about before we went live was, you know, somebody is on a tight budget and they want to invest. Um, you just have to crunch the numbers and maybe a, a duplex or, or or fourplex or something like that makes sense. It's a bigger investment, but if you're able to charge rent on, say, the units you're not living in or if you're not living in it at all, you know, it, it makes sense and you're able to make a little bit of profit off of that on a monthly basis. Um, but, you know, my situation and, and Danny's situation are very different. Danny's like, She's from Oceanside and here in Oceanside in Southern California. I don't think you can find a house in Oceanside for less than five hundred thousand. And you're even it's probably even that number. And now probably I even live a little in higher. Hawaii. Come on. <laughs> now Hawaii, right? I don't even know what the average you know home value is in Hawaii. Well over a million, higher. probably depending on the location. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you know the you as far as how close you are to the beach here in in Southern California makes a big difference. There's been a push 
where people have been going farther and farther and farther away from the beach in the last, you know, probably 50 years, probably since, since about the eighties, people have been moving to, you know, Vista, Fallbrook, Temecula, Hemet, just going farther, farther inland. And now it seems like people are moving out of state, you know, people are going to Arizona, people are going to Texas. And so um, <laughs> if, if your goals, if that fits your goals and that works and it fits your budget, it's fine. But um, I think in general, you know, Shane talked about the the average um, rates historically being about 7%. I don't know, Shane, and this is just a thought that came up when as you were speaking, what is the average appreciation of real estate over time? I, I think I read somewhere at one point that on average, it fluctuates, but on average, a, the home, the, the value of a home is averaging eight, nine percent over a period of time or and I know you gave some really good numbers there, but yeah. So I, I mean I'd have to look you know what it is nationally. Um I know if we do a a look of San Diego over the last 30, 40 years, um taking into account the downturn we had from 2008 to 2011, we're about a six percent appreciation over that mm -hmm. period of time. Now we've had much higher appreciation over the last number of years. And I think that that's going to, you know, continue to be the, if we look 10 years from now, if we look at the average, we're going to be higher than 6%. It's probably going to be closer to like an 8% average, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, so, so the average is there for seeing again, like you said, long-term um, I was in a very similar situation where we bought a, a condo in 2004 and we were living in it as our, our primary residence. And um it it was going down in value and in 2011 we needed to because we had our, our second child we needed a larger place and so we had to find a, a single family home that we could get into and everyone was saying oh you should just you know sh short sale the 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 condo and and you know get rid of it and and you you've, you've lost money on it just get rid of it like so many people did and i said no i'm not going to get rid of it because it's going to recover at some point Right. Yeah. And so we, we kept it and the, you know, there were, it took a while for it to recover, but now the value on that condo is like $800,000. And, and, you know, now we've got a, a, a large amount of equity that is in that property because we, we kept it for the long term and we didn't do a short sale on it. So again, the longer you can have the longer perspective you can have with properties, the better. We do know that there's sometimes where you can't control that where, things in life happen and you have to get rid of a property, you have to move, whatever that may, may be. But I think when you're looking at, you know, does it make sense to buy? Um, obviously everybody's situation is different. You have to take that in consideration. But a lot of times when you're seeing things online and they're talking about, well, it doesn't make sense to buy right now because I can rent a property for $3,500 a month and my housing payment, if I, if I bought would be, Five thousand or fifty-five hundred dollars a month. They're looking at that as a, in a very short-term scenario versus looking at what is that going to be over a long term. And you got to there's there's a lot of factors you have to take into place. You have to look at what are your tax savings going to be because as soon as you own a home, you can write off your interest and your you know portion of your property taxes. That's going to bring that total cost down. Um, when you make a mortgage payment, you're paying interest, but you're also paying principal. And when you're paying that principal, you're paying your loan down, which is giving you equity. So part of that payment is going back to you. You're not really paying it to the bank. You're paying it to yourself. You're investing in your future retirement with that. The other thing to look at is when you own a home versus renting, you're getting appreciation. So if you're making 5% on an $800,000 property, that's $40,000 a year that's going to far surpass the difference between your rental income or your, what you're paying for rent and what you're paying for, you know, be paying for your mortgage. The, the last thing to look at is when you get a loan, you are basically locking in that payment for the next 30 years, your, your interest, I mean, your property taxes could go up, your insurance could go up, but your mortgage payment is staying where it is. And if you can refinance to a lower interest rate, then that payment will go down, but it will never go up unless you go in to pull out cash or do something to make that payment go up. Versus when you're renting, that rent can go up every year. I think right now the annual rent increases are about 6%. Mm -hmm. 
So you may be starting at 3,500, but in 10 years, you might be closer to that $5,500 a, a month. Um, and so you have to take that in the, into account as well, because I know people who have been renting for 10, 15 years, and now they're in a position where they have a hard time being able to get into buying a property because they, they've fallen behind the curve in many ways, right? Yeah. Um, so I think the longer you rent, the harder it is to then get out of that cycle and, and be able to, to purchase a home sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a sacrifice one way or the other for the most part. But I mean, I, I know people that have owned a home for, you know, 30 years, you know, that have a mortgage and their mortgage is eight, nine hundred bucks, not here in Oceanside, but, <laughs> you know, it, I'm, I'm looking at New York and... <laughs> And it's like, you know, you have a mortgage of eight hundred, eight or nine hundred dollars a month on a home that you've owned for 30 years, when the average rent out there for that same home is probably two thousand dollars, you know. And so does it make sense? Yeah. I mean, unless you're trying to flip it and get rid of it. And that's a totally different scenario. But maybe Shane can help with that, too, because there's programs out there. Right. Based on the fact that you mentioned programs. Yeah. Roby, what you got? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all so there. I, I was going to ask. You didn't like, tell me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What type of loan programs do you yeah. offer? Yeah, so we have all types of, of programs. Um, you know, we've got the conventional conforming Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. We've got jumbo loans for those that are buying, you know, higher price properties. We've got um, FHA loans, which are usually better for low down payment, lower credit scores. Um, VA loans, which are for veterans who've been in the military, and we can do 100% financing with those. So a lot of different just kind of general programs. I think the big thing to, to look at is a lot of times people think you have to have 20% down to get into the housing market. Mm -hmm. And um, with, with FHA loans, it's as little as three and a half percent down. We've got for first time home buyers with uh, some conforming loans out there, you can put as little as 3% down. So there's ways to get in with very low down payments and those down payments can be gifted. They can be gifted from a family member, right? Maybe maybe your parents can tap into their equity that they've got to help give you money for, for a down payment, or they, they've got other funds that they can help with. So there's ways to get in with not a lot down. Um, and then there's some first-time homebuyer programs that are out there uh, that are geared more towards, you know, being a first-time homebuyer within the last three years. Uh, they can, there's some grant programs where it can help with giving you either money for down payment or for closing costs. Um, different cities and different counties have some of their own programs that are available. And then I know the, the state of California has the CalHAFA program that is throughout the state of California. And those are really geared towards giving money for, again, for helping with that, maybe that 3% down payment or some of the closing costs. Now, what you have to look at when you're looking at these down payment programs is most of them have income limits where you, can, you can't make over a certain amount to qualify for it. Um, or you can't have over a certain amount of money of your own assets sometimes. So there definitely are guidelines that we've got to look at to see if we can kind of fit you in that program and see if it works. Um, but there's one program out there right now that I'm really excited about that's called the Community Lending Program, where you don't even have to be a first-time home buyer. There's no income limits. And basically what it does is based off of the location of the property, um, there are certain areas that they're really trying to get more investment in. And so yes. what happens is you don't have all of the normal adjustments that you might have on a loan for putting a low down payment down or maybe having a lower credit score or um, maybe it being a condo versus a single family. And so what happens is maybe the, the rate right now would be 7% for a normal program, but if there, if your property uh, fits into this program, you might be able to get it at six and a half percent. So you might get a full half percent lower interest rate, or maybe even some cases it might be higher than that. So that can really help people qualify for more and get that payment down. 
And again, the nice thing is it, it can be for anybody. It doesn't have to be based off of your income qualifications or being a first-time home buyer. So that's one program that's that's really um, exciting right now. Um, many, many people might have heard about this uh, California Dream for All program, which is a first-time home buyer program from the uh, uh, CalHAFA state of California. And that is where they'll give up to $150,000 or 20% whichever is less for a down payment. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a future equity share situation where they will, um, basically the way they get paid back is when you go to sell the house in the future, you pay back whatever you borrowed plus up to 20% of the appreciation. Uh, so it could be you know expensive to do that, but if it gets, it, it may be a good, a good option. That does have some income limits as well, but it's, it's, They've got higher income limits, but the thing with that that they made a change here recently is, um, if it's at least one of the the buyers has to be a first generation homeowner. So if your parents have owned real estate, that would disqualify you, right? Um, so I, if there's two borrowers, at least one has to be a first generation. If it's one borrower, then that person has to be a first generation home buyer. Uh, the other thing is that. The last time they rolled this out, they ran out of money within about two weeks. So this time they're doing a, a lottery system where cool. you've got to send in your information and they're going to randomly draw who could qualify for this program based off of where you're located. Okay. The drawback of this is that they're, they're, they're assuming they're going to get about 20,000 applicants and they only have enough money for about 1,800 people. Right, so it's going to be a small portion of people that get it, um, but it it is an option out there right now as well. Why are they um, offering the program if they don't have the means to? I mean, they know that they're gonna have multiple people applying. Like, why are they so ill-equipped to be prepared to provide for maybe even people who do qualify? for those, you know, only right. 1800 out of 20,000 or whatever it may be. Well, because they're they're the money is based off what they have in the budget, right? And the budget from the state of California, I think they gave them about 300 million dollars. So, it's you know, it's it's a decent amount of money, but the problem is is when you're giving up to 150,000 out to help with down payments, it doesn't last as long. Um mm -hmm. so they, you know, they they have limited funds, and that and many times some of these grant programs and down payment programs will have periods of time during the year where they'll say, well, we can't take any new applicants right now because we've run out of funds. We have to wait for our next round of funding. So that's something that can happen. Um, so many times, if you can get away with qualifying without a down payment assistance program, and again, maybe get some help from relatives with a down payment. Uh, with the gift funds, that's going to be your best and easiest way to get qualified. But right. if you do need a down payment program, we've got a great tool that we can plug in your information very quickly, and we can then spit out all of the down payment assistance programs that would that you would potentially qualify for, and then just try to see which one would be best for you. So then at that point, what are some of the qualifications that you would need to have to receive that down payment in order to be qualified for that? So each program is different with what their, their guidelines are and what their income le levels are. A lot of the programs are capped at like 150% of the area median income. Some of them are at 120, some of them even go down to 80%. So you, you've really got two things that you're looking at. You've got to make enough money to qualify for the payment on the mortgage side, but not enough money to where you don't qualify for the down payment assistance. So right. it's it's sometimes it's, it's squeezing people into a very small window that to see if it would work for them. Um, but there's, you know, there's credit score requirements. There's, uh, you know, maximum amount of assets that you can have. It's, it would be too difficult to get in all those things right now, but um, that's what we do when somebody reaches out to us and wants to know what they can qualify for. And if there's programs available, we plug all that information into our system and then help determine which programs would be available for them. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. 
Um, I it just I have a quick question that just kind of like jumped into my head. <laughs> um, so for these programs, I was wondering, what about like mobile homes? People that have mobile homes. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a difference between a mobile home and a manufactured home. So a mobile home is where the property is on an axle or can be moved easily. It's not on a permanent foundation, right? And you see that sometimes with these mobile home uh, properties where they're they're renting the the space in each, below them and then they've got a mobile home. So that's not considered real estate. Those are more okay. uh, personal personal assets, a mobile home, and you can't get traditional financing on that. You have to get special mobile home financing. Um, okay. Now a manufactured home, which yeah. is a home that's been brought in, it's been completed mm -hmm. someplace else, has been brought in. You know, those are the ones that sometimes you see driving down the freeway and they're cut in half, right? And they're going on these huge trucks. You know, that's a manufactured home. And then it's brought in and it's put on a permanent foundation and mm -hmm. you own the land underneath it, then that we can do traditional financing on. And so um, oh. you know, those programs would be available on a manufactured home. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was a really good question. And I mean, I mean, I've seen these, what, the, the Amazon pop-up houses for $16,000. We're apparently going to get one just for my cat. Um, <laughs> does that count as a mobile home or you know what I mean <laughs> but yeah it's something to be considered but um I was told I couldn't have a cat unless it had its own home so that's the goal <laughs> based on the fact that um you know we're talking about all of these other things that you know first time buyer stuff um Let's see, based on the fact that you you own your home, G, or you just work with Shane um, to get, you know, a property for your mother and all of that stuff. Do you have any questions based on, you know, where her status is and what may be potentially good for her? Yeah, so, yeah, so on the last episode, we talked about how um, I have actually been working with Shane or I have worked with Shane and he helped me tap into the equity of my house where I live here in Oceanside in uh, California. Um, and I needed funds to be able to help my mom who lives in New York because her housing situation is changing right now. And so, um, you know, so if you're looking to do that, Shane's a great resource for that. Reach out to him. He can help you figure out ways to tap into the equity. Um, but that can be for anything. If you're helping a family member, I know there's programs for um, helping family members, maybe on a fixed income, getting into a home at a lower down payment. Um, that's something that we're kind of looking at right now. And um, and then also, if you're just looking to tap into those funds to be able to invest in, say, rental properties, because that's another thing that we're looking at, where, um, you know, one of the units will be you uh, will be my mom and then the other any other units that might be on the property or whatever or it could be a, a duplex or fourplex will be rented out and so um you know maybe you can share some some of that as far as helping people tap in through refinance or through HELOCs I don't know what kind of information you might have on that Shane yeah so yeah I think um you know as far as refinances go I, I think there's a couple of different reasons why people might look at refinances right now. One is if, you know, if you did buy six months ago or sometime in October when the rates were higher and, and now rates are coming down at some point, it will make sense to, um, to refinance and go from that higher rate to a lower rate. And so that's one of the things that I always do is I'll do a, a free review for people to, you know, let them know a, a mortgage review to let them know, like, does it make sense to refinance now? How much could your savings be? Or when do we need to wait? Like, what number do we need that to be at to have it make sense? Um, and then I can keep people updated as, as rates change to whether or not it, it makes sense to refinance. So that would be one reason. The other reason would be to potentially tap into, um, you know, home equity, to, like you mentioned, to do different things. And there's a couple of different ways that can be done. You can do a traditional cash out refinance where you would replace your current loan with a new 
first mortgage and and you know let's say you owe 300,000 right now and you want to take out $100,000 you'd have a new first mortgage for 400 and you'd get that 100,000 out <clears throat> and that would be a, a new 30 year fixed or you know whatever we decide to do um or you can do a a second and there's a home equity line of credit seconds there's a fixed rate seconds and so there's different ways to tap into money that way as well um what I'll say is that I was just reading you know, that consumer um, spending or consumer debt in the U.S. is at all-time highs. I think I, I read we're at $16 trillion. And so, you know, we, we have a lot of credit card debt out there um, and and car loans and, you know, other and equity lines. And, and, you know, the equity lines can be a great tool, but they also come at a higher interest rate than a traditional loan does, right? So, what we want to look at is when we're looking at, does it make sense to get an equity line or does it make sense to um, just take out a new first is we want to look at what's called a blended rate. Like what would that, that total payment look like with doing a first and second, or what would it look like with just doing a new first mortgage, even though your interest rate may be higher on the first mortgage than what you currently have. If you're paying off credit card debt at 22%, or if you're, you know, doing some of these other things, it still may make sense to do a new first mortgage versus an equity line with where the rates are right now. Um, so depending on what your goal is, what you're looking to do, what you're looking to pay off, there are some different programs that we can look at to help get you access to to that home equity um, and, and put it to work for you in one way or another. And... I have a question because you talked about jumbo loans. We're talking about HELOCs. There's so many different options just based on the circumstances of where you are that you really need to kind of, I mean, I'm obviously understanding you really need to sit with somebody like you to really realize what the best option is. And maybe, you know, people, have, I've never heard of a jumbo loan before. I don't know what that is. Um, you know what I mean? And, and how do they operate and how... What in what times do you need to utilize them? Um, there are so many different options based on the circumstances of where the individual or the family is in the situation that you know we don't necessarily maybe realize that are beneficial to us. Right. Um, you know. And yeah, so yeah, and I I'd say that's like you said that's where sitting with somebody like myself who's been doing this for over twenty years, um, a, a true mortgage advisor, versus. You know, a lot of a lot of people nowadays think that what they want to do is the quickest, easiest way to do something. And so they'll pull right. out their phone or they'll get on the computer and they'll go in and they'll put all their information online and they'll get a pre-approval letter back and they'll go out and they'll buy a house and they never sit down or talk with anyone. Right. right. And and the issue with that is you're buying probably one of the largest assets you're ever going to have. Mm -hmm. You're getting one of the largest debts that you're ever going to have. Right. I would you not take time to sit down and meet with somebody and plan it out, make sure you're making good decisions and that you're structuring things properly. It's, 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 right. you know, a mortgage can be a complex tool and it can get you into trouble if you don't do it right. I mean, you can go into foreclosure, you can lose your house. I mean, you want to make sure you're making, you're making good decisions and people will go and spend an hour at the hair salon to get their hair done <laughs> Spend an hour sitting down with me for their, um, you know, largest, largest decisions that they're probably going to make in their life. Right. And right. so, I mean, it, it is very important to have that conversation. I will do a, a pre-purchase consultation or a refinance consultation with all of my clients where we will look at all the different options, what's making the best uh, situation for, for people and, and trying to, um, you know, give them the best options out there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's us as an, you know, life insurance agents, Um, you know, obviously we wanted to start incorporating, you know, a diversified type of approach to what we have to educate people on and um, all of that stuff. But, you know, we have to do the same thing and really realize what is your goals? What, how, you know, how can I really make the products that I have for you, extremely beneficial to you and your family. And, and what are you trying to achieve and all of that stuff? Um, so, you know, and we appreciate that you're on the same page with the educational values that we're providing. 
to anybody that's watching and all of that stuff. So uh, thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. I got, I got a quick question, if you don't, if you guys don't mind it. Um, Shane, we talked earlier about people leaving the state and going to other places because the, you know, the the costs and the values are lower. Um, and I know you're licensed in multiple states. What is that something you're able to help with? Like if somebody says, you know, I have this house here in Southern California, I'm thinking I want to move to Texas or whatever. You know, are you what? How would you help? I guess somebody really figure out the best options for them, whether they're gonna sell the house and use the 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 you know the profits basically to right. buy a new house, or is that something you're able to help people yeah, with? I guess de definitely. So I'm I'm actually licensed in in nine other states. Um, most of the states that people from California are moving to. So you know the, <laughs> the, the Texas, the Florida, the Idaho's, Tennessee. Um, along the West Coast, Arizona, Nevada, you know, Washington. So got got all that covered. And then my company is licensed in 16 states total. So even if I'm not able to do something, um, there's there's some other areas that, you know, other people that I can refer people to. But that's what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll look at, you know, their current situation here. And, you know, if they were to sell, how much could they net out of the sale of their house? And then what could they do to buy? I've got a lot of clients that I'm working with right now that are doing that same thing. Like, you know, does it make sense to sell our house first or to buy the next house first? And can we do, mm -hmm. can we go and we, can we buy that next house without having to sell our house so that we can be non-contingent on the offer and, and not have to wait for that? Um, mm -hmm. So I will definitely have those conversations and sit down and help make sure that you're making a, a good decision with that move. And I would say a lot of times people will think, well, let's just take the money from the sale of our house here and buy that next house with cash. And I'd say, you know what, let's let's discuss that because it may not make sense to bury all that money in your house. Maybe if you want to have a low payment, you know, go in with 50% down and get a loan for 50% of the amount and at least keep money liquid that can be used for retirement, for other purposes to, you know, renovate the house, whatever you might need to do. But as soon as you put all that money in the house, you can't get it back without doing a cash out refinance, which is going to cost you more money. Yeah, great point. Because you yeah. hear you hear stuff online about multi multi millionaires getting mortgages, and so if they, I mean, they could buy these houses cash, right? But why would they get a mortgage? And that's because of what you just said. You you keep your money liquid. And you use, you know, the bank's right. money to to get what you need. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great point. It's like Definitely. using life insurance companies' money to get what you need to to invest in real estate. I mean, come on, it's all coming full circle at this point. You know what I mean? OPM, we're all about it. Yeah, and and again, to to uh, to Shane's credit is that's that's what he's looking at. He's looking at the whole, you know, the whole uh, scenario, the whole you know whatever, all the circumstances about somebody's financial, you know, situation, to offer them the best advice that's really going to help them reach their goals. You know, and, and and another thing, you know, I'm trying to do something with real estate in New York. And Shane's not licensed in New York, but he still told me if you need help, if you have any questions, reach out to me. And so he he's really out to help, basically, you know, business aside, right? He just wants to offer more value. So yeah. As do we all. And and based on the fact that, you know, that's our main goal is to provide value with what we do. And now we're providing other resources of value to people like it feel, you know, it feels really good to be able to have access to um, other people with, you know, and other aspects of finance and, you know, just really be able to help each other. So um, we definitely um, appreciate you, Shane, for, for joining us again, um, for giving us your time, for answering our questions. Um, letting us know that now is the best time to buy, whether we think so or not. <laughs> and, um, you know, encouraging us and empowering us to really um, take this step into the real estate journey in whatever we, way we are choosing to utilize it. For. 
Um, and I'm glad that we have you as a resource. Obviously, there are so many other things that we have questions about just based on the conversations that we've had this, you know, we could do this all year. I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely be asking you to come back. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. I look forward to it. Yeah. Um, is Does anybody else have any other questions? Because I know that we're just over the hour that we designated for you. Um, if not, I do just want to say again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the education. Um, it's definitely been beneficial to myself. I'm sure it's beneficial to other people. And I can't wait to see you again. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. Yeah. yeah thanks again for joining us, Shane. Okay. Have a yeah. Day. Thank you so much, Shane. And then, like <laughs> we said, um, make sure you prioritize. Just like you prioritize your five-hour hair salon day. Because <laughs> it, it, it does I, take more than an hour, just to let you know. <laughs> I, I do I, that every time. You know, I put a lot of time. Since yesterday, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just the the difference that it's going to take um, if you take the time to sit down with an actual advisor to help you out, it's going to be super yeah, beneficial for you and your family so thank you again shane for that information you're welcome. you're welcome yeah we don't know what we don't know and i obviously don't know a lot and i'm not afraid to admit that so hmm. you know not only have you helped my parents you've helped me as a single not married no child person but you've helped them you've already helped people and well you're going to continue to do so <laughs> we're, we're glad that we can be a part of your journey and that you're a part of ours so much Thank you. All right, you guys. And as always, we'll be back again um, the second Thursday of what month is it? February, March. March. Um, and the fourth as well. Um, we will be having a certified financial planner on just to let you guys know. Um, and that is the goal for the month of March. Um, we hope to see you there. And we will definitely be having Mr. Shane Slater back. We thank him for his time. And as always, we wish you well. See you next time. <laughs> All right. We're, we're good. Awesome. Cool. So, yeah, we, we really appreciate it, Shane. Um, it's been it. I've been learning stuff on both episodes and, and it makes me more knowledgeable to be able to help my clients better to be able to have that extra knowledge and, and just a resource. I can say, you know what, talk to Shane, he'll take care of you. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I appreciate it as well. I have a question for you too, Shane, because I do have some friends who are new in the real estate industry. And I know I have reached out to them with like mortgage protection and stuff like that. Um, if they potentially need a resource, um, could I potentially send them your way? Yeah. yeah I'm always, like if they're trying to expand their business or, you know, whatever it may be. I'm always looking for good. You're talking about real estate agents, people who are, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm always looking for good real estate agents to, to team up with. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to talk with them. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just because they're new and I, and I know that they're like affiliated with this or that, but you know, maybe if they want to expand in something and and you're uh, obviously a viable option and a strategy for them to utilize, I think that maybe as opposed to being with whatever company or whatever it is that they're with, um, right. I think that definitely me sending their, them your way would definitely broaden their horizon. Yeah, we'd love to have a conversation with them. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure before I have people blowing you up. <laughs> oh, no okay, well, I gotta I gotta jump off, but okay. thanks so much. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks, Shane. Um, so guys, I will have I'm traveling to Vegas tomorrow. Vegas. Um, Vegas. I'm on a wedding. But um, I'll have this uploaded in the afternoon to the Spotify and then it'll post to the rest uh, the next day. So Saturday, everything will be done. Uh, how do you feel about it? Good. Very good. Okay. Yeah. So I am in contact with my friend, Rob, uh, the CFP. 
he is down to come on next month. Um, and we're going to kind of discuss, you know, questions like, like, why do people necessarily need a CFP or what, a, you know, the because a CFP, it sounds like a very scary term to me, mm-hmm. to me personally, a certified financial planner. And, you know, and, and, and the thing about it with me is, is that they only work with people that make a certain amount of money. And why, why is that? You know what I mean? So like, we're going to, we're going to drill him kind of hard. <laughs> and I told him that and he's like, yeah, bring it. Like I'm down. So Perfect. yeah. So he knows that he's stepping into the gauntlet with us. <laughs> However, um, you know, he is open and willing to have the discussion and um, we're going to figure out why CFPs don't like life insurance agents. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> like, yeah. This is going to be, it's, it's three like, against one. So why? Because you don't get your 3%. Like, you know what I'm saying? Every year. Like, what is it? What is it really that bothers you about us? But we're going to find out. Nice. So, but he said he's down and he's more than happy to join us. So, um, I will get him on an email with us, um, so that you guys can get to know him. I'll have him do kind of a little introduction as to who he is, um, you know, prior to that. Um, and then we'll go from there, but he's definitely on board. So just wanted to throw that out there. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. So if you guys have any questions about the CFP life and his daughter is a CPA, so (laughs) we might be able to bring another one. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could potentially bring my uh, boyfriend's CPA on and be like, how come, you know, because he, because um, she's like completely unwilling to give tax advice to, to Nick. But Pam was like, why isn't she telling you that? So it's like, so a CPA feels confident in doing this, but they don't feel confident in doing that. So like, we have a lot of stuff (laughs) that we could be bringing on. So it's going to get spicy in the middle of just around Cinco de Mayo. We're going to heat it up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, I love you guys. Thank you for your time. All right. You All right. Thank day. you, guys. Okay, and yeah. I will. Um, as soon as it's able to download tomorrow, I'll I'll post it up on the um on the other things, and I will download it so that I, I'll email it to you guys. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate. Take care. Have a All great right. day, and Ruby, you look beautiful. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Thank you. Right. You guys have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>